This message is brought to you by Emergence, a platform through which God is preserving and equipping a generation in the last days. Be blessed as you listen. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Emergence Day 1. Emergence is going to continue for the next 14 days. People are going to join us as we go on. We bless the name of the Lord. So we are kicking off today. We've kicked off already. Father, we thank you. Let's just close our eyes and just worship God. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks. We give you praise. Lord, we thank you. We are not of ourselves sufficient. You are the one who has called us, anointed us, and sent us. Thank you, Jesus, for the work that you have separated us unto. Lord Jesus, we say thank you and we do not take any of these things for granted, God. Lord, we realize that you are the one that supplies the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the unfolding of your word. Thank you for preserving and equipping us. Thank you for grace. Thank you for understanding. Our lives are hid in Christ, inside of God. We are preserved. Our lives are hid with Christ, inside of God. We are preserved. We give you praise. We give you praise, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, because you have started your work already. Through the old 14 days, you've started working. You started working before today. Thank you, Father, because you are working. Even when we are not seen and you are working. Thank you for the nature of the assignment you've given to emergence, God. Thank you, thank you, because this was not bet out of anybody's ambition or anybody's vision, but this is an assignment and a mandate of God. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel unto the poor. Thank you, Father, because your spirit is upon us. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, glory, glory, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, emergence has started already. Today is day one. So, really, what we want to look at today is why are we holding emergence? What's the What's the drive behind emergence? What's the what's the what's the uh, apart from the word drive? What's the vision behind emergence? When God was thinking emergence, what did He have in mind, or what did He reveal to us? Hallelujah! So throughout the whole fourteen days, we'll be checking out different things. We'll be teaching ourselves different things, but day one will form like a basis for us, so that we understand why we are treating some of the things that we would be checking. And these are things that God has actually instructed us to teach and to proclaim. Hallelujah. So I'd like you all to get your Bibles out because, okay, we might not be opening a lot of scriptures today, but in later days, their days would open and open and open and open and keep opening. Hallelujah. So let's open to Acts chapter 2 from verse 14. Acts chapter 2. From verse 14. Okay. 
Okay, so we all know the story. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. What does it say? So, I'll be reading to, to verse 21. <clears throat> but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So, first of all, we know what happened here. We know what happened here. So, um, the day of Pentecost, they were gathered in one accord in the upper room. And then suddenly, like a sound of a rushing mighty, the Holy Spirit came upon them and sat on each one, cloven tongues as of fire. So, people were saying, these guys are drunk. Because why? They were praying in tongues, probably were laughing in the Holy Ghost. Maybe some were rolling on the floor, you know. And people said they were drunk. So Peter said, no, we are not drunk. So verse, verse 15, it says, For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this was what was spoken by Prophet Joel. So Peter is about to quote Prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And on my manservant and on my maiden's maid servant, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. 20. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming. Now see this. Before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. 21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, go back to that verse 16. Peter said, but this was what was spoken by the prophet Joel, right? And 17 says, and it shall come to pass. So he was quoting Joel. Now let's go and see where he was quoting in the book of Joel. Now let's go to Joel, Joel 2 from verse 25. Oh, we bless your name, Jesus. So, I read, it says this. And it shall come to pass afterward. So, this is the exact place that Peter was quoting. He says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Now, Peter was quoting Joel, but he quoted it differently. Now, let's go back to the book of Acts. Now, see what Joel said. Joel said, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit, okay, on all flesh. Now, go back to the book of Acts. Now, let's see what Peter said. Now go to verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days. Now, Joel says afterwards, Peter says last days. When Joel said, it shall come to pass afterward, right? Afterward word, what? What he was referring to was after the death of Christ. 
Because if you read the preceding verses, it was talking about the years that the Kankan one has eaten and the Palma one has eaten, God will restore. Then afterward, I'll pour out my spirit. So really, the afterward that Joel was talking about was that after Christ dies. But Peter says in the last days. There's a slight difference, but that's really not where we are going. See what Peter says, really. He says, in the last days, says God, I will pour out of my spirit. Right? Is that what's in your Bible? Peter says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of. But Joel says, I will pour my spirit. Now, the Bible is very careful in its words. Even the Bible says that God's word has been tried seven times. And has been found to be perfect. The Bible says, forever, O God, your word is settled. In heaven, it is settled. So really, there's no mistake in the Bible because the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. So if there was no off in Joel, but the book of Acts is putting off, then that means there is something that the Bible is trying to show us. Get what I'm saying? So Peter was saying that, ah, we're praying in tongues. People say we're drunk because that, that was the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit broke out. Things were happening. And they say you're drunk. Peter said, no, this is what was spoken by Joel. I will pour out of. Now, what's the difference between I will pour out my spirit and I will pour out of? My spirit. In the last days, the totality of everything God wants to do is to pour out his spirit. In the last days, the totality of what God wants to do is to pour out his spirit. But what we see in the book of Acts was to pour out of. In other words, the book of Acts was the tip of the iceberg. Acts chapter 2 was only a beginning of something God had in mind. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, I don't know if you've read the book of Acts, but there are, there are many things in that book. I'm telling you, I think some people actually call that book the Acts of the Holy Spirit. There was a, before it was finally named the Acts of the Apostles, it was named the Acts of the Holy Spirit, actually. Because that book depicts how, how the Holy Spirit is really the power behind the Christian life, the power behind the Christian walk. It's the Holy Spirit. Now, Prophet Joel is talking about a coming outpouring of the Spirit, which, which precedes the coming of the Lord. Prophet Joel, when you go back to Joel 2, if you read from, from 32 downward, you'll discover that, let, let's go and read it. Have we read it to 32 yet? Let's go and read it to 32. So I'll continue from verse 29, Joel 2. And also on my men servant and on my maid servant, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. And I'll show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnants whom the Lord calls. So Joel is saying that before Jesus Christ comes, there will be an outpouring of the totality of God's spirit. But what we see in the book of Acts is only a portion of that spirit. So until that spirit is poured out completely, Jesus Christ is not coming. Do you get what I'm saying? So, the introduction of that word, off, changes it all. And I will not show you from here alone. I will show you from other parts of scripture. 
Now, what we see in Acts chapter 2 is only the tip of an iceberg of what Joel prophesied. It was similar, but that was not all. Now, let's see it from somewhere else in Scripture. Go to James 5. Thank you, Father. James 5, verse 7. Now, see what this says. It says, therefore, be patient, brethren, until what? Until the coming of the Lord. You see this? So, Joel is saying, be patient. Which coming? It's not the first coming. It's the second coming. Hallelujah. Because here, Christ had already, had already died and he had resurrected. Hallelujah. So, he says, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See this? He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently until it receives the early and the former rain. I'll explain what this scripture means to you. Read it. Let me read it for you in the KJV. It says, be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord, behold the husband man. I'm reading the KJV now. Waited for the precious fruit of the earth. Pause. Who is the husband man? The husband man is God. Jesus Christ himself said that he is divine, the father is who? The husband man. You see this? Now it says, Behold, the husband man waited for the precious fruit of the earth. Who is the precious fruit of the earth? Jesus Christ said that in those days, angels will come and separate tears from wheat. You see what I'm saying? So Jesus Christ is coming back to gather us all, to gather his own. We are the precious fruit of the earth. But see what he says. He says the, the husband man, which is God, is waiting is, is waiting for the precious fruit on, on, of the earth and has long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. KJV says until it, it receives the early and the latter rain. What is the early rain? What is the latter rain? Some call it the former rain and the latter rain. You see, in the Jewish culture, that's the way it, it is right now. Farmers, when they plant, there's a rain that falls immediately after they plant. That's called the former rain. The rain that waters the plant after, just after they plant. So they always calculate it, the former rain. Now, the latter rain is the rain that comes upon the crop just before harvest. Are you following what I'm saying? So there's something called the former and the latter. The Bible says God is waiting patiently until it eats. Who is the eat? It's the earth. Until the earth receives both the former and the latter rain. Hallelujah. Do we understand? So, God has sent his former rain, which is the book of Acts. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Jesus. God has sent his former rain. How do I know? The Bible, Jesus Christ said, he is the seed, except a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. So, Jesus Christ is the seed. He died, and 50 days after he resurrected came the former rain. The Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Spirit. Now, let's see what Joel says about this thing. Joel has something to say. Now, let's even finish this. He says, he says, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. Now, let's go to Joel. Joel 2. 
Go to verse 23. Verse 23. It says, Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. Why? For he has given you what? The former rain faithfully. Oh, glory to God. And he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Now continue. 24 now says, The threshing floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I have sent amongst you. Actually, this was what happened when Jesus Christ died. Really. Because it now says, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. It now says, and it shall come to pass afterward. You see this? So, the first thing I want to bring to you is that what we see in the act of apostles, there is something coming upon the body of Christ that is bigger, more massive than what we see in the book of Acts. It might not come like a, as of a rushing mighty wind. Cloven tongues as of fire might not sit on every believer, but there is a coming move of God upon the face of the earth. Oh, greater than what we've seen in the book of Acts. It will go beyond just healing the sick. We would see miracles, but it will go beyond that. Crazy moves of God that we've not seen before is coming upon the face of the earth. And it's coming quickly. We don't know whether it's 10 years. We don't know whether it's 20 years. We don't know whether it's 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 100 years, 200 years. We do not know, but it is coming. Hallelujah. So we've established already that there is coming a mighty move of God. I want you to soak that in. There is coming God, God, and you see, see, throughout imagines. There are things I can't say about this move of God that I'm talking about now because we might not understand or simply because the time is not right yet. Throughout the whole 14 days, I'll be showing you things from Scripture that this move entails because we see it clearly that this is the move that will come before Jesus Christ finally comes and take us all home. Hallelujah. This is the move... God, God planted the church. God inaugurated the church himself and then he gave them rain. Now we've seen several moves of God upon the face of the earth. In one corner of the world, one corner of the world, when you read books, when you read about revivalists, things have happened in the world from over generations and over generations. We've seen moves of God, but there is coming a global move upon the whole body of Christ. But there are things God wants us to get. There are things God wants us to understand. You know why? Because before, why do you think it took them 50 days after Jesus Christ died for the Holy Spirit to come? It's because there were things for them to get. And I'll show you the ones I can show you today. There, there were things God wanted them to get. So also, the body of Christ now, globally, there are things God wants us to get before that move can come upon us. Hallelujah. And it's not just coming for coming's sake. There are reasons for this. Hallelujah. God has a motive in, in his heart. Hallelujah. So God is saying, so God, when God looks at emergence, God says, go and tell people of this move. And 
equip them. So when we say emergency is equipping and preserving, I'm coming to the preservation part, but when God says equipping people, God is saying there is a move that is coming upon the body of Christ. There is a massive move. Go and equip them for this move. So from day 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, down to 14, we'll be talking about things that would equip us, make us ready for this outpouring of the Spirit. Because everybody is in this. Hallelujah. It's non-denominational. As long as we will get the things that God is telling us. Hallelujah. Now let me just read this to you. There is coming a mighty revival on, on the earth. A revival of all kinds of signs and wonders. We would see great healing, mighty demonstration of God's power, witty ideas, wisdom and great capacity will run through the global church. This move of God will summarize and tidy up the move of God on the earth and prepare us for the coming of Christ. Let me read that to you again. This move of God will summarize and tidy up the move of God on the earth and prepare us for the coming of Christ. God does not want his coming to catch us by surprise. Really? You know, many people say, oh, Jesus Christ is going to come like a thief at night. So it's a... No, no, no. God really does not want his... Let's quickly... 1 Thessalonians 5. So, from verse 1. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you again. Verse 2. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. So, this is where people quote. And say, oh, Jesus Christ will come and catch the world suddenly. Pam. But let's continue. Verse 3. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, has as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Simple. Let me read it to you in NLT. It says, but you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. Do we see this? It says clearly that we would not be surprised. So when the Bible is saying that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ will come like a thief in the night, really it was not referring to believers. Because when his disciples asked him in Matthew 24, they asked him three questions. Lord, what will be the sign of the destruction of the temple? What will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the sign of the end of the ages? In other words, the end of the world. So the coming of Jesus Christ does not even mean the end of the world. They are two different things. Hallelujah. If God did not want us to have clues to when he is coming, Jesus Christ would not have answered those questions. Because Matthew 24 is full of clues to when Jesus Christ is coming back. But he said one thing. He said the hour... Nobody knows. Even the angels don't know except my father in heaven. So what he said really was the hour. But we know the season. Because First Thessalonians 5.1 says, Concerning the times and seasons, you do not need that I should write to you anymore. Hallelujah. So <clears throat> there is coming a, a, a mighty move of God. So we know. We just saw it from the Bible, right? So this is not somebody's private interpretation. This is not somebody's, you know, God told me my room, so I came to tell you. <laughs> it's not my opinion. If there is any prophecy, it has to align with Scripture. And those are some of the things we'll be checking. 
if there's any prophecy anybody brings, it has to align with scripture. Because no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. That was what Peter said. Hallelujah. So God can reveal it to a person personally through a spoken word. Do you understand what I'm saying? But if I would come to you and tell it to you, I have to show you from scripture. And that was what we just did, right? But you see, I need you to stay with me throughout those 14 days because, you see, it's not possible for me to say everything in my heart in one day or in seven days. It's not possible. Not even in my heart, but the things that God would have imagined communicate. It's not possible. Oh, you will bless the Lord for your life. Hallelujah. Even me, I'm rejoicing. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. We bless your name, oh God. Now, so, we would want to equip people. In other words, prepare people for this move. But why then are we saying preserving people also? Why are we preserving people? Are people sick? Or are people, are people going astray? So we say emergence, equipping and preserving a generation. Now, you see, because we just read this thing from the Bible, this coming move of, of God, it's so, I don't know whether to say fortunate or unfortunate, but really, the devil knows scripture. He knows it. And the thing is, God does not have to go and tell him that something is about to happen. He can see it from the Bible. And he can read the times. So he knows. The Bible says he knows that his time is short. Right? The Bible says that the devil knows that his time is short. So the devil can read the signs. I hope you know that when Jesus Christ came, the devil knew that the Messiah had come. Because the Bible says, Woe unto you, O Jerusalem, for there shall be wailing. Which wailing? Matthew said this was what was prophesied by Isaiah. What happened? When they started killing people that were younger than two. That was not Herod's move. That was the devil's move through Herod. You see, we are dealing with the same old devil. There is no tactic. It, sometimes it surprises me. That's why, yes, the devil might be wise, but when we walk in the wisdom of God, the devil is foolish to us. Oh, I didn't know they would not have crucified the king of glory. Upon all the prophecies in the Old Testament, he still crucified the king of glory. Is that not surprising? With all the prophecies in scripture, this man still went ahead to crucify the king of glory. So we are dealing with the same old devil. There is no tactic that the devil wants to come up with that the Bible really has not revealed to us. If only we will sit with the Bible. If only we will eat the Bible. The Bible says, woe unto you, for they shall be crying and wailing. Isaiah had said it. So when Herod said, let's kill people that were below two years old, it wasn't really Herod's idea. It was the move of the devil through Herod. So God knew what the devil would do. God put it in the Bible. The devil himself read it, but he still ended up doing it. So we are dealing with the same old devil. So the devil can read the times. He also knows that there is coming a move of God. But you see, prophecies don't automatically equal manifestation. I hope you know that when, when John the Baptist wanted to baptize Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ could have decided not to allow him. But what did he say? To fulfill our righteousness. At some point, Jesus would say things like, that scriptures may be, may be fulfilled. So it wasn't automatic that those things will happen, but in what prophecy simply means that this is God's will and God's mind. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
what, what God really wants us to do is that when, when we hear words of prophecy, we align to it. When we align to it, there is grace supplied for that thing. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, the devil knows this move. He knows that it is coming. You know, it's funny how the devil knows, but some Christians do not know. If only we will sit with our Bible. Maybe I'll make that my, my motto for the, for the rest of the 14 days. If only we will sit with our Bibles. Hallelujah. So it says, now the devil knows that this plan is coming. So what does he want to do? What is his plan really? Go to 1 Timothy 4.1. <laughs> Hallelujah. It says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will what? Depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and what? Doctrines of demons. Let me read it to you in the KJV. It says, Now the Spirit Speak it expressly. Speak it expressly means that he's saying it over and over. Really, that's what it means. It means the Holy Spirit is, is saying it and saying it again to our ears so that it will enter. So he's saying, now the Spirit speak it expressly that in the later times some shall depart from the faith, giving it to what? Seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Second Peter 2. Second Peter 2, 1 and 2. But there were also false prophets among the people. The people was referring to here was the Old Testament. If you go back to, to chapter 1, you will see them. When you go and read it, it was referring to the Old Testament. He said, but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be what? False teachers among you. Who will, see this word, secretly, Bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. And what many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. Do we get the scripture? Let's read one more. First John 2. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hallelujah. First John 2, 18. <clears throat> it says, And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is the last hour. You see this? So, if you notice something with these three scriptures that, we, that we've read, three of them talks about the last days, the last hour, later times. So it is referring really to when? The end of the world. Not really the end of the world as in Jesus Christ come, but the season of the end of the world. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this one also says, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not one, they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. 
but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. I have written to you because you do, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and no lies of the truth. Who is a liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, he is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. Either he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning... See this. So everything he has been saying since... Now see verse 26. He says, these things I have written to you concerning those who try to what? So there is something that is going to characterize the last days or the beginning of the last days, really. And if you would join Emergence for the next 13 days, there is something, there is a characteristic one, one major factor of the last days, and it is deception. The Bible says they will creep in secretly and bring what? Destructive heresies, doctrines of demons. So, the devil's end time plan. See, he has several end time plans, though. And God help me, through emergence, I will show them to you. But you see, the major one we want to deal with, that God has asked us to deal with, hmm, is this deception of the thing. And what is the deception really? Is that the devil knows this thing. And what he wants to use to counter this move of God is not violence. Is that he wants to introduce false teachers into the body of Christ. Is this, is this the Bible? Do we believe the Bible? That's the devil's plan. In the last days, the devil, he would eventually result to violence and persecution, but you see, his first motive, his first plan is to introduce secret, subtle, false doctrines into the body of Christ. I don't know whether it's the next five years, the next 10 years, the next 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 100 years, I don't know. But one thing we'll do, our, one good thing we'll do ourselves is that after these things, we teach them to our children. When we are done, when we sit, when we meditate on this, we teach them to our children. Hallelujah. So that's the devil's plan. He wants to introduce false teachers. And you see, when we say false teachers, false doctrine, the Bible says on, that's tomorrow's message. The Bible says on several locations, and I can show you scriptures of scripture. The Bible keeps on saying, beware. False teachers, beware. Under scripture, beware. Under scripture, don't be deceived. In other words, these are not people that you can recognize by, by your mere physical ears. By trying to, you know, is it right or not? No, you, you will fall and be deceived. There are biblical ways and biblical, biblical pre, and precautions and prescriptions that would help us stand fast in the last days against these false teachers. So God says, what I want you to do at emergence is, first of all, teach people things that would prepare them for the coming of my move. And on the other hand, show them things that will make them strong against false teachers. Sounds very simple, a topic, right? But it's deep. Oh, it's deep. Paul said to Timothy, he said, take it unto yourself and unto the doctrine. For in so doing, you will save both yourself and them that listen to you. So the power of a doctrine can save a man's life or end it. But there are ways to know. It's not by just listening and, oh, 
This man is a false teacher. He's a false teacher. No. But you know why? Because the Bible says these, these, these doctrines are destructive and they are enticing. So these are really things that the devil will prepare in such a way that the world will like it and even Christians will like it. Oh, they will give us nice topics. <laughs> but it's really beyond that, really. It's beyond that. Now let me read to you what I wrote here. It's, to every revival, there is usually an opposition from the devil. To every revival, to every outpouring of the Spirit, the book of Acts, when, the, when, the, when God poured out his Spirit, when the, um, the, latter, the former rain came upon them in the book of Acts, the devil was not, was not just looking at them and saying, okay, go on, go on, you know, be saving people, be saving people, get people saved. No. They were being killed and retired. That's the 13th message. They were being killed and retired. Herod. It wasn't Herod, really. It was a spirit walking in Herod. There was a spirit that was hereditary in Herod's family that moved from one Herod to the other. From one Herod to the other. Because the Herod that was crucifying, the, it was not the Herod that killed Jesus. It's, there were like three Herods in all, all those stories. But there is this particular spirit behind Herod. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's not Herod as a man. It's the system Herod. You got what I'm saying? So to every revival, the devil always has a plan. But you see what happened in the book of Acts when the Bible says, but suddenly came the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Even the devil was surprised. That was why what he could resort to was violence and persecution. But you see, this one is not going to catch him. He knows. So he's not planning violence yet. Violence is coming. Oh, persecution is coming. But you see, he knows, so he's planning. He's preparing these false teachers and cooking them in the pit of hell. Okay, let's meet you tomorrow. Hallelujah. So, see, to every revival, there's usually an opposition from the devil. And there is no trick of the devil that the Bible has not informed us about. It is the same old devil. The devil might be wise, but, I mean... Beside God, it's, it's an understatement to say it's foolish. <laughs> but do you understand what I'm saying? There is no, it's actually surprising. There is no tactic of the devil. There is no plan he wants to come up with that is not in this Bible. It's there. If only we what? Sit with our Bibles. Hallelujah. The devil knows of this revival and his plan to oppose this revival is not first of all persecution. His first plan is not persecution. And tomorrow when we come, we'll really sit with these things and examine it. It's like, yeah, it's much. So we would, hallelujah. It's a serious topic, really. I was surprised. I began to see it everywhere in scripture, everywhere. Heretical is a serious matter. Hallelujah. So, here, uh, the, the devil knows of this revival and his plan to oppose this revival is not first of all persecution, but his master plan is to use false teachers and false doctrines. And these are not days where we can be, where we can be, you know, reading our Bibles once in a week, going to church and just, just, up into church, up out. No, no, no. These are not those days. 
Oh, I wish you would stay till the end of emergence. Oh my God. Hallelujah. Woo! <laughs> we bless your name, oh God. Now, the mandate God has given to emergence is to preserve a generation against this plan of the devil. God says, now go and tell these people the things that, we are, that I have shown you from scripture, hallelujah, that would help them stand. That would help them stand. Physical eyes won't do it. The physical ears won't do it. Calculations won't do it. Familiarity won't do it. And let me tell you, there are actually false teachers in the world already. Uh, but they are going to come in their numbers. That's the thing. And the, the devil is preparing them such that these people are not, they are not Christians. They are, they are not Christians. So they have a plan. That's what I'm trying to let you understand. These people are not, they are not Christians that don't understand the Bible, so they teach wrong things. There are people like that. They are Christians, but their doctrines are not balanced. So we understand what their problem is. But these ones are not Christians. We'll see it tomorrow. There are two categories of false teachers, really. Hallelujah. So God says, go and preserve people for me. The mandate God has given to emergence is to preserve a generation against this plan of the devil. Second, it is to equip this generation and prepare them for this move of God that is coming. This outpouring, this, this latter rain that we're talking about, the rain before the harvest, God says there are some things the body of Christ needs to get. And I'll show you something very soon so that you know why we are doing 14 days. 14 days seems like a long time, right? I'll show you why. Now, here is the pattern for every revival. Go to Acts 1. Acts chapter 1. This that I'm about to show you is the pattern to every revival. Go and read every book. Um, go and read about Azusa Street Revival. Go and read about the Welsh Revival. All, all of those things. What I'm about to show you right now, you might not get access to historical information. But when you really check deep, in deep, in depth, you realize that this year that I'm about to show you is the pattern to every revival. Acts chapter 1, from verse 3. To whom he also presented himself alive. Let's read from verse 2 so that you understand the to whom he was talking about. Until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to who? Who? The, to the apostles whom he had chosen. The apostles, right? Now verse 4 now says, To whom he also presented himself alive, after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them, being seen by them during 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Do we understand? So Acts chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, saying that when Jesus Christ died and resurrected, we remember the story, right? He came to them. We'll see that in Luke chapter 24. He came to them and what did he do? He entered without knocking. He just entered through the door. Hallelujah. And they said, ah, he's a ghost, he's a ghost. He said, I'm alive. He said, what did he do? He said, touch me. After I tell you, he said they should give him what? Fish, right? Boiled fish, isn't it? And then he ate with them. But the book of the book of Luke did not tell us he was with them forty days. He only told us that he was showing them things concerning himself from the scripture. We'll read it now. But Acts tells us that 
When Jesus Christ came in through that door, he was with 40 days and speaking of the things that to the kingdom of God. Now go to Luke 24. We'll see the correlation now. Now. <laughs> but they were terrified and frightened. And suppose they had seen a spirit. Talking about Jesus Christ, right? The tape now says, and he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do you doubt? And why do doubts arise in your heart? 39. Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself, and do and bones, and see I have. 40. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. 41. But when they still did not believe for, believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? 42. So they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and some honeycomb. 43. And he took it and ate it in their presence. Now see what 44 says. And he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. 45. And he opened their understanding that they might understand, that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to arise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. This is the scripture I left out. Now, we see here that Jesus Christ came into the door, right? But the book of Acts tells us that he was with them 40 days. Now, what was he doing with them? You know, Jesus Christ was there in person, she. He could have given them the Holy Spirit once and for all, there. He could have actually baptized them with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because those guys were saved. At that point, they were already born again Christians. How do I know? The Bible says that when he entered, he said to them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Then you would ask yourself, why then did they have to receive another Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2? Do you know what I'm saying? When you read John's um, account, and I believe if you read this chapter 24 downward, the Bible says, and he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. He breathed on them. What happened? They believed he had died and resurrected. And we know that that's the prerequisite for anybody to get saved, right? So when we get born again, the Holy Spirit begins to reside on our inside. That was what they received when he said, when he said to them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Not the baptism of the Holy Ghost yet. Then he did one more thing. He said he opened their eyes that they might understand scripture. So he began to teach them. How many days was he teaching them for? 40 days. So after the 40 days, what happened? He ascended, right? Then they now had to tarry 10 more days. Making what? 50 days. That's why it's called the day of Pentecost. Because Pentecost is 50 days from the feast. Yeah. So Jesus Christ died on the third day of the feast, right? And then 50 days to the day of Pentecost. Hallelujah. So those guys were in one room receiving the in-depth teaching of the word of God from Jesus Christ himself. 40 days. <laughs> wow. You will come out filled. You will come out bubbling with revelation. 
Imagine somebody wants to teach you the Bible. He now first says to you, may your eyes be open. I mean, Jesus Christ himself says, I open your eyes. From this moment on, you understand scripture. He now sits you down. Then starts schooling you in the Bible for 40 days. The Bible even says, uh, I think, I believe in the book of John. It says, and he showed them things concerning him from all the books of the scripture. <laughs> things concerning himself. You see this? So, when Jesus Christ ascended on the, on, on, on the 40th day, the Holy Spirit still did not come. What happened? They waited 10 more days. See this. What precedes every revival is an immersion in the undiluted word of God and a tarrying in God's presence. That's exactly what we're doing for 10 days. And we didn't just plan it. God said it. What precedes every revival is that there's usually an intense teaching of undiluted word. So we think those guys just waited. They didn't just wait. Uh, Jesus, how do I know again? Now, see this. The Bible tells us that the disciples of Jesus were unlearned men, right? What does unlearned mean? It means that they were illiterate. And in those days, when the Bible calls somebody illiterate and illiterate, when they go to school, what do they normally go and learn? The books of the words of the Old Testament and the books of Moses. That was education in their day. But these people were, were unlearned men, illiterate. Where did Peter get this? Was, this is what is, was prophesied by Joel the prophet from. Jesus Christ taught him. Ah! Do you know what I'm saying to you? When he said this was what was prophesied by... If at all Peter knew anything... It would have only been the books of Moses, not the books of the prophet. Because the Jewish culture, when a child is growing up, for everybody, they will start teaching you the books of Moses from age four. When you get to age 12, they will not do you want to further your education or not. Some people go and become whatever. So at that point, those who further their education are the people who now go forward to become priests and Pharisees and all of those things that they call teacher of the law. So those ones now go further in depth into the book of Moses and the books of the prophet. You see this? But Peter, where did he get it from that this was what was spoken of Prophet Joel? It's Jesus that taught him. Do you understand what I'm saying? What helped them to preserve? When the Bible said they were teaching, they continued daily in the apostles' doctrine. Where did the apostles' doctrine come from? From the doctrine of Christ himself. The three years that I was with them and that 40 days. You remember Jesus Christ before he died? He said, there are things I want to tell you. John 15. There are things I want to tell you, but you cannot do what? You cannot get them now. So those 40 days was when he gave them. Oh, my God. Do you understand what I'm saying? He said, there are things I want to share with you now, but you cannot bear them. So those 40 days, he said, this is the time. First opened their eyes. He now gave them word. So after they were full of the word, they now tarried in God's presence. That's, what's bring, that's what brings revival. And even in a person's personal life, that's what brings the power of God into your life. That's what brings... Some, there are some things that you will just be wondering and you'll be like, you didn't even pray for this. I'm not even talking about God providing your needs and all of those things. I'm talking real power of God in a person's life. Oh, you must feed on the word. And always separate yourself to God alone. Put your phone on silent. Let people just look for you and not find you. Mm. It's called alone with God. It's called being alone with God. You see this? 
The Bible says Jesus Christ, a great while before day, will go to a, a secluded place and go and walk, go and pray. He, he got to a point, he was healing people, healing people there too much, he went up the mountain, he went to pray. Do you know what I'm saying? The Bible says they began to look for him, John 6. They started looking for him. Why? They eating bread and fish. He said, this to you, will not finish me. He went up to pray. Hallelujah. God has asked us at emergence to preserve and equip a generation. So when we are doing 14 days, we didn't just wake up and say, ah, 14 days is, no. It's intense. It's intense teaching and unveiling of truths of scripture. Hallelujah. The word and the spirit. Intense teaching of the word. Really what we are about is the word. We want to teach things. Some uncharted areas of the Bible. There are certain things people don't even preach anymore. I was listening to a preacher one time. And he said it's been a long time he has had a proper teaching about the end time. As in, a teaching. Now this is not, it's not even, you know some people preach end time and when you're leaving the service, you'll be afraid. You will not be able to walk at night again. No, a proper teaching that would not lie, but at the end of the day you are defied. A kind of awe will come on you. So we are going through uncharted areas of scripture in the next 13 days. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So that's what emergence is about. There is coming a move of God. God has his plan. God has his... And why is, he, why is God pointing out his move? Is it just because he wants to show that he has power? No, there's a reason for it. And we'll, we'll see that as we go on. Hallelujah. So we also said the devil knows this, right? The devil has a plan. That's the second thing. And then want to immerse people in the teaching of the word. Hallelujah. So that's what the next 13 days is going to be about. Equipping, preserving. Really, from, from tomorrow to like day eight or thereabouts, we'll be doing the, the part that really talks about our equipping, our preserving, rather. Then from nine upward, things that will prepare us for that outpouring of God's move. Things that will prepare we that want to carry the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I think I'm done. Glory to God. Give praise to God. We praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise, O oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, the Lord be magnified. The Lord be praised. Thank you, Father. The preceding message was brought to you by Emergence. For more information about Emergence, follow us on all social media platforms at Emergence World. 